Good morning, and welcome to the Redeemer's Refuge radio broadcast, brought to you by Redeemer Lutheran Church, One Deer Walk Lane in Charleston, a member congregation of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Redeemer Lutheran Church, help, hope, and home in the body of Christ. The psalmist writes, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Psalm 46.1, this speaks to the hope God gives us amid the struggles of life. When life storms blow around us, our Redeemer, Jesus, gives refuge in the mighty fortress of our God. We pray this broadcast will remind you of that beautiful truth today. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Lord, our King, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, sent by the Father through the Son, ignite in us your holy fire. Strengthen your children with the gift of faith. Receive your church with the breath of love. And renew the face of the earth through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Our reading for this Pentecost Sunday is from John chapter 14 verses 25 through 27. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you the remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave you with, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. In a book called God's Empowering Presence, New Testament scholar Gordon Fee shares a remark that one of his students once made to him about the Holy Spirit. God the Father makes perfectly good sense to me, and God the Son I can understand, but the Holy Spirit is a gray oblong blur. Why gray? I don't know. Why oblong? I don't know. But that's what the student said, and to some extent, which most of us can probably relate to that remark. We believe in the Holy Spirit, we know that he lives in us through faith in Jesus Christ. We confess that he is with us right here now and every time we gather together around the word and sacrament. But it's pretty hard to picture or even describe the divine being whom we also sometimes call the Holy Ghost. How are we supposed to picture a ghost, much less a Holy Ghost? I've always found somewhat ironic that the longest season in the church year by far is the Pentecost season. For almost 30 straight weeks, we focus on various aspects of the person and the work of the Holy Spirit, and yet most of us would probably admit that of the three persons in the Trinity, the Holy Spirit remains the fuzziest when it comes to our understanding and who He is and what He does and exactly how He does it. To be honest, the Bible doesn't give us much help picturing the Holy Spirit. Perhaps in a sense, it gives too much help. There are so many different and contrasting pictures of the Holy Spirit in the scriptures. The Spirit appears as a dove, then as tongues of fire, then again as a loud rushing wind. In other places as a quiet whisper. It's enough to make you say, will the real Holy Spirit please stand up? On the other hand, the Bible does provide some 
pretty clear and helpful information, divine teaching about who the Spirit is and what He does for us as Christians. Repeatedly in the Gospel of John, and here in the text from John 14, Jesus uses a very unique word to describe the person and work of the Holy Spirit. The Greek word is parakletos, which literally means one who is called and stands by one side. This word is translated in several different ways in various versions of the Bible, helper, advocate, comforter, or counselor. These things I have spoken to you while I am with you, says Jesus, but the helper, the comforter, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring your remembrance all that I have said to you. I am going away, Jesus says, but don't worry, don't be afraid, let not your hearts be troubled. I'm leaving behind for you and for the Christians of all times and all places a helper, a comforter, a full-time, free of charge, in all places a helper, a comforter, a full-time, free of charge counselor, and this Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the world's best counselor. So, what does a good counselor do? More important, what does this counselor, the Holy Spirit, do for us? How does he do it? According to Jesus in John 16, one of the most important things the Holy Spirit does as our counselor is a rather unpleasant thing. He counsels us by convicting us of our sin. He uses God's word to comfort us with the, those secret or not so secret areas of our lives that are not pleasing to our Heavenly Father, that are tearing down rather than building up our brothers and sisters in Christ, that are damaging our witness for Christ, and that are also hurting us, preventing us from enjoying the blessings that come through the willing and joyful obedience of God's commandments. Now, this is not an easy job for the Holy Spirit has to do. The hard thing about it is not that he has to keep track of all of our sins. That's relatively simple for a spirit as all-seeing, all-knowing God. What's hard about that is the spirit has to deal constantly with hard-headed people like us. They have a very hard time acknowledging our guilt and our sin. Eldon Weishaupt was a longtime LCMS pastor, author, who wrote some of the great books about our kids, including several volumes of children's sermons used by many pastors. In one of those books, Pastor Weishaupt tells the story of the first children's sermon he ever attempted as a pastor. When the children gathered around him, he held up pieces of paper with various words written on them and he asked the children to raise their hands if they thought the words applied to them. He held up the words like short, tall, smart, strong, popular, handsome, pretty, and so on. And each time, at least some of the children raised their hands. Then he held up the word sinner and waited and waited and waited until finally one youngster in the front row took hold of his little brother's hand and lifted it high into the air. Now, we may snicker at this, but our laughter probably has, or at least ought to have, a rather nervous edge to it, because we know full well that it's not just children who are anxious to point a finger, or all five fingers, at somebody else. I read another story recently about a woman who came to her counselor confessing and complaining that she just didn't feel she was growing in her spiritual life. When he asked her what she thought the problem might be, she immediately proceeded to tick off about a dozen reasons all of which she put the blame squarely on the shoulders of someone else. The pastor's sermons don't speak to me. The style of worship isn't the way I like it to be. 
People at the church are so unfriendly. My husband doesn't support me. My children don't behave the way they should. And on and on and on. This counselor took a deep breath, prayed a silent prayer, looked the woman in the eyes, and said, Have you ever considered the possibility that the main problem in your spiritual life might not be the pastor, the people at the church, your husband, your children? Have you ever considered the possibility that the problem might have something to do with you? The best counselor in my life have been people who cared so much about me that they have dared to speak the truth in love, even when they knew the truth would probably hurt. That's the kind of counselor the Holy Spirit is. Always loving, always compassionate, always looking out for my best interest, but excruciatingly honest, never afraid to tell us the truth, too concerned about our welfare to hide us from the sins that are harming us. According to the Bible, we can help the Holy Spirit with his job as convictor. Now, let me be clear. We cannot and did not in any way help the Holy Spirit bring us faith in Christ. Dead people can't help anyone with anything. And the Bible clearly says that we are dead in our trespasses before the Holy Spirit alone made us alive through word and sacrament. But now that the Spirit has brought us to life and has come to live in us, we can strive to walk by the Spirit, to keep in step with the Spirit. How? Let me suggest several ways. One, by, being, by seeking and remaining open always to the Spirit's loving admonition and exoneration. Two, by opening up the Scriptures regularly, that's daily, so that He can speak to us through the Word and show us how we need to repent and amend our sinful ways. Three, by becoming faithfully to God's house to hear preaching of God's Holy Word. Four, by refusing to argue with Him when He clearly shows us where we need to confess and amend our sinful lives. Five, by remembering that before we can help get the splinter out of someone else's eye, we must, as Jesus said, get that log out of our own eye. Fortunately for us, convicting us of our sins is not the Holy Spirit's only job as our counselor. In fact, it's not even his most important job. After all, even the devil knows how to accuse people of being sinners. The name Satan means the accuser. That's why in Lutheran theology, this convicting and accusing role of the Spirit is known as his strange and alien work. The Spirit's true, proper work is not to convict us, but to comfort us with the gospel, with the good news of our forgiveness in Christ, which is something the devil would never do, even if he could. We could go on sometime ferreting out all the good that the Holy Spirit does for us, his comfort through the words of other Christians, through the pastor pronouncing absolution, through the spirits praying for us with groans and sighs too deep for words. But for this morning, let us walk away from here knowing that all the works of the Holy Spirit are based on and grow out of the Spirit's dual work as convictor and comforter. If we are sinners, we might as well forget everything else we've learned about God and about Christian faith. On the other hand, if we poor miserable sinners ever stop believing that we are forgiven, we might as well stop believing everything else. Because if God's message is forgiveness is a lie, then how can we believe anything else? He tells us in His Word, If we be sure that we are forgiven, what does it matter what we do? Why should we pray? Why should we serve? Why should we witness? What would there be a witness about? But beloved, we can count on His Word and His promise. Remember your baptism as the Holy Spirit reminds you. 
promise the Father gives. You are mine. You are forgiven. I sent my Son to die and rise again for you. Listen to my Spirit. Repent when He convicts and rejoice when He comforts. Amen. Now may the God of hope fill you with all the joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Let us pray. Almighty and eternal God, you have revealed yourself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and live and reign in the perfect unity of love. Hold us firm in this faith that we may know you in all your ways and evermore rejoice in your eternal glory who are three persons, yet one God, now and forever. Amen. Thank you for giving us a brief moment of your day. Our prayer and hope is that the message of the good news of Jesus Christ will have a positive impact for you as we at Redeemer Lutheran Church endeavor to be help, hope, and home in the body of Christ for all whom we meet. We invite you to come and receive the Lord's blessing through word and sacrament as we gather on Sunday mornings at 1045 for our worship service. We're located at 1 Deer Walk Lane, just off the Paula Road exit on Corridor G. You can find us on the web at RedeemerWV.org and on Facebook at Redeemer Lutheran Church WV. Thank you, and may God bless your day.